0: Mark chapter 7 verse 1, then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him having come from Jerusalem. If you remember, Jesus is in the northern area of Galilee and they've left Jerusalem to come now to him. Now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is with unwashed hands, Mark lets us know, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. And that special way was to let water drip from their elbow, down their forearm, off their fingers, and they would be pure. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups and pitchers, copper vessels and couches. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? The scribes and Pharisees want to bring an end to the ministry of Jesus. He's getting pretty popular. They leave Jerusalem, they go to Galilee, and they're there to find fault with something that Jesus has done. Now, I have found here at Calvary Chapel, South Bay, if you come with a filter of wanting to find fault, you will find it. It's easy to find fault when you're dealing with humanity. So he doesn't attack Jesus. He attacks the disciples. They found fault. And the fault was they didn't wash their hands the way they were supposed to. Those naughty disciples. I can't believe that they bought that bread in the marketplace and probably came in contact with a Gentile, which defiled them. And so what the Jews taught the other Jews were, you needed to wash to cleanse yourself of any filth that you would have picked up from the outside. Because if you don't, you're defiled. And anyone else that touches that bread, they're defiled as well. Now, because we got youth in the room, I need to say something. There's nothing wrong with washing your hands. (laughs) Washing your hands is, in fact, when you wash your hands, we want you to sing happy birthday twice before the water stops running. Now, is that a tradition? No, that's good hygiene. But for the Jews, it was tradition. And it had come to a place that if you did not wash your hands, oh, let me explain. In the Mishnah, one of the rabbis made it very clear that if you did not follow the tradition of the elders, it was like breaking the Word of God. They put the Word of God in connection and equal the same value as their tradition. And so by not washing their hands, the disciples would come on the scene and they wouldn't say, go back into the bathroom like a good parent and wash your hands. They would say, get out of my house, you cursed child. A little bit too far, don't you think? See, the issue was their tradition had become their truth. It became their authority, not the word of God. And with the power of their tradition, not the word of God, they were able to find fault with the disciples of Jesus. And they go to Jesus, we got gotcha. Mission accomplished. Verse 6. So Jesus, he answered them and said to them, and I love this. Well said, or beautifully played, did Isaiah say, the prophet of you. He said, hypocrites. I want you to notice Jesus has no problem with clarity. He lets them know exactly what... You don't have to guess what Jesus is thinking. You hypocrites, as it is written. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart, key word, is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching his doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. And he said to them... All too well, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. I need to make a personal note to all of us. Don't think you can outsmart God. Don't ever walk up to God with, gotcha. Don't ever go to God with a question that you think will just go beyond Him. Don't ever think you can set God up to fail. He's setting you up To reveal himself to you. Jesus got no problem with clarity. He makes it very clear that these Pharisees are hypocrites. Even giving credit to Isaiah. Because they're still struggling with the same problem. That they did hundreds of years before with the prophet Isaiah. Their traditions had become their God. They looked religious. But they had no relationship with God. I walked out in the lobby the other day, last Sunday, and I had my coat on, and a woman looked at me and she goes, you finally look Christian. So you know what I did this week? I wore shoes like this. You can slip them on, you can slip them off. I don't know if they're Christian or not, but I wore them. Now, maybe when you see me in the lobby, you'll go, well, praise God, glory, hallelujah, I have the same shoes. But you know what I was going to do this week? I was going to wear shorts and a (laughs) t-shirt. Because I think sometimes our look outside could become more important than what God is looking at on the inside. Because I don't want to look Christian because I have a coat on. I want to look Christian because when God sees my heart, he sees a desire like David to have a relationship can I tell you something? It's easier to put on a coat than it is to have a relationship. It's much easier to have a coat than put on a relationship. That's why, want, that's why some men like to go to work because their boss gives them a task and they don't have to work in a relationship with their boss like they have to go to when they go home to their wife. <laughs> don't laugh too hard. Otherwise, come to Song of Solomon. <laughs> Relationships take work. But a religion is just putting a coat on. Give me a task, I'll do it. I don't want God always coming to me and telling me i got to change my life. That's a lot of work. I don't want God convicting me of what I'm watching. I don't want God telling me what I can do and what I can't do. I just want to put the coat on and show up for church. It's like an Instagram post. Those kids could be fighting like Crazy. But they're like, but as soon as mom goes, okay, smile, this is for Instagram. And then as soon as the picture's over, pulling hair and everyone looks at the picture, they're such a happy family. No, it's just putting the coat on. It's just capturing a moment. It's not dealing with a lifetime. See, God's looking at the heart and the Pharisees had come up with a great plan. They came up with a great plan where they didn't have to work so hard. They could just make things up that they felt they could handle and let God know this is our tradition. It's Jesus. He speaks to him and he says this in verse 10. For Moses said, picking an example, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. Kids, listen. That's Old Testament. Verse 11. But you say, now I've circled that in my Bible because he is ministering to the people that are there. He uses honor your father and mother specifically for the group that's standing in front of him. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, so one of those in the crowd did, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corban. That's, it's a gift to God. In other words, you can't have it. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother making the word of God of no effect through your tradition which you've handed down and many such things you do. What he does is he provides an example for someone who just did this in their crowd. But you say. And kids, can I tell you something? Listen carefully. It'll be on the screen. Honoring honoring your parents is a big deal with God. Honoring your parents is a big deal with God. There was a big penalty. If you didn't honor your parents back in the Old Testament, you could have been brought before the tribunal to be stoned. Honoring your parents is a big deal with God. Now, there is no recorded stoning of a child. The emphasis, it's a big deal with God. And the Pharisees, what Jesus is pointing out to this group, They were not honoring God. They were honoring their man-made traditions. They were not honoring their heavenly father. Jesus doesn't pick a commandment out of the blue. He's ministering specifically to this group about the question that they had. And they were not honoring God with their hearts. So Jesus says, you're a hypocrite. You see, they looked like they were doing it. They had the coat on. They looked externally with their memory verses all on them and everything about their bells and their whistles, but their heart was far from God. They didn't want to obey the commandments of their heavenly Father. They didn't want the conviction of the Spirit, so they made their own rules up to live by. This is more manageable. Let's make up rules that we can handle instead of constantly hearing from God and building relationships. They thought they knew better than their father. I mean, God, do you even know how to operate an iPhone? Kids, are you listening? Because our students need to hear this, and we need to stop for a minute and wonder as a student, do I do the same thing? Do I see the value in my parents' instruction as my spiritual leaders or spiritual leaders that are around me? Do I always feel like I'm right my parents just don't understand? Do I pretend to my parents I'm one thing at home and I've got the the sweatshirt on, but as soon as I go to school, I take that sweatshirt off so everybody could see my midriff? And (laughs) let me explain. That's hypocrisy. One thing to your parents and another thing to your friends. Do, Do I feel like they have no idea what I'm walking through as a youth. I'll tell you a story. My daughter, Sayla, five years old. She was on the soccer field, and a girl took the soccer ball from her. Now, my son was coaching her, 17 years old, played soccer from Africa his whole life. If anyone knew soccer, it was my son's Saturday. And Selah, this girl, took the ball from her, and she thought that was cheating. That's just playing soccer, Selah. But for her, it was playing. Che- she, uh, she was cheating. We only let Selah do um, just one year of soccer. We realized athletics was not for her. <laughs> so she went up to the girl, and she put her foot out like this, and the girl tripped, and they blew the whistle at Selah. So Saturday yells out to Sayla and says, Sayla, you've got to dribble the ball. Stop tripping the girls. And Sayla, at five years old, she puts her hands like this and she yells out to Saturday, "Saturday, do you have any idea what I'm going through out here? <laughs> yes, he did. And I know sometimes youth have feel like we have no idea how to be a young person. But can I tell you, we've been a young person. We know what it means. We're like Saturday on the side who's played soccer his whole life saying, this is how to play and you can choose to listen or not. So maybe I need to explain what honor is. You see, honor is different than obedience. Obedience is when you're a young kid and your parent says, go clean your room, and you go clean it because you're afraid of what might come if you don't. That's obedience. Honor is completely different. Honor is you're a youth, you're a student. You know your parent's heart is that your room is clean, so they don't even have to ask you anymore. You do it on your own because you know that will bless them. That is honor. It's much different than obedience. Now, can I tell you so Parents are clapping. <laughs> Hold on, parents. I'm coming for you. <laughs> and can I tell you something about honor? Listen up, students. It's important. It's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2 and 3. You'll see it on the screen behind me. Ephesians 6, 2 and 3. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now, I know Cartoon Network preaches against this doctrine. Cartoon Network preaches parents are dumb, kids are smart. But this says honor your parents. Now, listen, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Now, what if you got one of the promises and not the other? You got to live long, but you're miserable. You see, maybe, student, listen, if your life's not going great, evaluate, am I honoring my mom and dad? Am I honoring spiritual leadership? Now, I love the way the parents all clapped, because now I'm coming for you. Just when you are saying, amen, glory, hallelujah, I'll bring my kid to this church every week. Stop for a moment, parent and ask yourself the same questions in regards to your heavenly father do you honor him are you doing things that he, you know that would bless him and he doesn't have to tell you to do it anymore you know his heart and you're simply doing it are you setting the example of honoring god in your home the way that you desire your student to honor you you see we got to be careful Children, don't clap. Very important you don't clap right now. We got to be careful to recognize that our children may be a mirror for us to evaluate. So Jesus uses this moment, and he gathers the crowd. Take a look now at verse 14. When he had called all the multitude to himself, he said to him, Hear me, everyone, and understand. There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Much like we've gathered here today, Jesus decides to use this principle and have church. He gathers the crowd to give them an incredible spiritual point, he sees the problem of living. He sees what the the Pharisees are asking him, and he uses it now to prove an incredible point. He uses this as an opportunity to train his disciples. Keep that in mind as we go on to verse 17. When he had entered the house away from the crowd, his disciples, let's call them his kids, asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, are you thus without understanding also? Now, the New King James makes it pretty. If you got the King James, it says, are you so dull? It's, in other words, hello, we've been teaching you this for years. How many you feel like that as parents? This is Jesus. I've been explaining this principle to you for years, that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisee, was one of my first sermons. Don't you guys get it? Don't you understand? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him because it did not enter his heart but his stomach and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods? And you need to see the beauty of that comment. This was unknown scientific information at the time. But he's God, and he knows the digestive system. And he said, what comes out of a man that defiles a man? For from within, out of the heart, and I've circled that of men, Proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness and evil, an evil eye. blasphemy, pride, foolishness. I mean he makes a list that evaluates every area of our heart. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Parents. Jesus has given us a great parenting principle. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Jesus doesn't give up on the disciples. He has told them over and over and over again to brush their teeth. And they come out and say, Do you think we should brush our teeth? That's exactly what they come out with. But he's a good parent, and he doesn't give up training their kids. Let me tell you something about training. Jesus would understand it best. It takes a lot of effort. From teaching your child how to brush their teeth, to go grocery shopping, to do a budget, or to pay rent. We are responsible to train our children in the fear and admonition in every aspect of life of the Lord. When my my kids turn 15, 16 years old, I start dating them. It's not that I haven't spent time with them before, but this date is different. In fact, just two weeks ago, Time and I had date night. The topic was a grocery list. And our entire date night was learning about the four different food groups, learning about how to shop, learning how, how to have a budget, and how to save. And he's like rolling his eyes down. I can't believe we're doing a grocery list. And I said to him, Do you realize a grossly grocery list can change your life? And he laughed at me, like some of you are. But I believe that. It teaches you how to budget. It teaches you to know how to overspend. It teaches you to manage your time. It teaches you what aisles to go down and systematize your life and your cupboards and organization. And I used it all to express to him. And he said, Dad, only you can create a list out of grocery shopping. Only you can create a sermon out of grocery shopping. And I said, praise God, glory, hallelujah. (laughs) I'm responsible to train him. But kids, listen, students, listen. You're responsible to learn. It's a God-given privilege to value what your parents are trying to train you in. If you're a student here, just look at your parents and say, thank you. I don't hear it. See, the issue is the heart, either for the parent or the youth. The issue is the heart, and that's exactly what Jesus is dealing with. They think that it's a relationship with God by putting a coat on, but that's not the relationship because God looks at the heart, and the heart is the center of who we are, what we think, what we want, what we say, what we do. And in all the people in my life that I get the opportunity to be with, so many people will make a mistake and they will say, well, that wasn't my heart. Well, that's not true. Because in this list are actions. And your actions, not only your speech, express your heart. So maybe you're surprised at what's in your heart, but it actually is your heart. Jesus gives a list. And the reason he gives us a list, and the reason it's so exhausting, is because he wants us to evaluate every area in our heart. Now, this is the problem of why we like religion and not relationship. I'd prefer to know, put the coat on, and I can take the coat off. I'd prefer to know, I can only walk so many steps on a Sunday. I would prefer, don't do this like, oh, I've got to build a relationship, I've got to like, work at this thing. It takes effort. So let's evaluate. Just when you thought you'd made it through the list, let's evaluate our hearts. Evil thoughts. You'll know your thoughts. Have you ever talked bad about someone else? That means bad is in your heart. Adulteries. Making something other than God my priority. I have a love affair with something other than God. Fornications, do I find gratification in sexual conduct or sexual content? Murders, why am I always so angry? Why do I have a thousand dollar response to a dollar question? Like, can you take out the trash? What do you mean take out the trash? That's not your wife's problem. That's yours. Thefts, do I steal from God? Covetousness, I'm not satisfied with who I am. and I'm always wanting to be someone else. God made a mistake with me. Wickedness, what do I watch? What do I listen to? Deceit, how many skeletons are in my closet? Lewdness. Does the way I dress honor God? Evil eye. Do I see things differently than God? I mean, like, when he wants me to forgive sister so-and-so, and I don't want to, why do I have to? Pride. I just want to live life my way. Just tell me what to do today, God, and I'll do it. And I want to do that same thing. Well, what if I want to change it? No, 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 no. I got used to this. I want to do it my way. Foolishness. There's only one person in the Bible that Jesus called a fool. It was the man that used all of his money and time for himself. He said, you fool, tonight your life will be demanded of you. You see, Jesus, what he does is he evaluates the heart. Now, I've got to let you know something about your heart. You can't fix it by putting a coat on. You can't fix it with a program. You can't even fix the heart with rehab. You can't fix the heart with a meeting with Chet. Trust me. You can't fix the heart by being the leader at men's life, the leader at women's life. You can't fix the heart. Sorry. Oprah can't even fix your heart. Because the Bible says in Jeremiah 17 that your heart and my heart is deceitfully wicked. And the only thing that can fix the heart is to be given a new one, to be born again by the power of the Spirit. We all need a new heart. We need to be regenerated. Christian, listen. If you're struggling with religion and always feeling like you've got to put the coat on, you don't have the freedom of operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to move away from religion and allow His Spirit to empower you to give God your heart. Amen. Father, I come before you in Jesus' name. So grateful for the power of your Spirit. And now as we take a moment to think and remember you, would you give us the grace of your presence in communion? In Jesus' name. Our ushers are going to be coming forward and they're going to be distributing the elements of communion as soon as they get to their various areas. When the Lord asked us to remember him, he gave us an opportunity to do it through communion. And maybe today we remember him in regards to our heart. Where's my heart? I don't want to have a task list like God is a taskmaster from heaven. I want to have a relationship like what David spoke about. I don't want to be a Saul. I want to be a David that when I mess up, I can come back to God and I pursue the relationship instead of just ask for the task list. And so today, as you receive communion, let's evaluate our heart. Is there anything foolish that's there? Anything blasphemous? Is there anything that is prideful or wicked, deceitful? Are there skeletons in the closet that I just need today to remember him and ask him to give me the power by his Holy Spirit to no longer go in that closet? I need to tell you guys something. We are creatures of habit. We prefer religion over relationship. i give you an example. I know you guys who always sit here. I know you. Now, Randy and Jonan, you've moved. I'm so proud of you. You used to be these people over here. You're proving my whole theory wrong that we're creatures of habit, and I love you for it. But I know where you guys sit. This is the rowdy section. I love you guys. And I know you guys. Oh, you're always here, and you're always there, Chris. You're always there. I love it. Yep, you guys, you know. Yep, where's Arlen? Is he with you over there? He's usually there right beside you. Josh, Joshua, yep, he's over there. Perfect, Hannah. Just got engaged. Congratulations. So proud of you guys. Jordan, I'm so proud of you. Had a great lunch with him today, and I'm so thankful that he and Hannah are engaged. But we want to remember, and like I said we're creatures of habit. So we actually enjoy religion. Just let's do communion. go out, I'm good. No, God wants your heart. And so what he did was he took the bread and he broke it. Now, the disciples had no idea what Jesus was talking about when he said, this is my body, which is broken. The cross happened the next day. But he said, this is my body. But Jesus knew what he was doing. He wanted the disciples to remember the moment that his body was broken. Church, by remembering that his body was broken, I pray that it breaks our heart. And if there's any religion in us, like we sang in the song, shake, break down the walls of my religion. Let's remember the Lord. Take and eat. Now what happens is our mouth is dry. In fact, it's difficult for me to even talk. Our mouth is almost yearning to be satisfied. And there's a reason for that. Because when Jesus said, take and drink, Be reminded that he said, drink my blood in John chapter 6. And the words are spiritual words. It's not actually drinking his blood. I want to be the only thing that satisfies you. I want to be the only thing that you find your hope and rest in. Not the show that you've been watching as a series. Not the food that you run to. I want to be your satisfier. And he said, take and drink. Remember me. Our Father, we remember you that you sent your son to die for us. And we give you all the glory, all the honor, and I pray that we would honor you from our hearts. In Jesus' name.